Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. And when you arrived at North Adelaide, you certainly arrived with a bang in 07, Jimmy. You virtually did everything that year. Um, you debuted against Centrals in round one. And yep. You, yeah, you, so you won the McGarry, Advertiser and Football Budget Player of the Year, Selection Advertiser Team of the Year, and your first of your North's uh, five BNFs in a row. So, yeah, what a bad year, mate. Uh, oh, it was a good year. We, like, the best part about it, we played in the grand final. Yes. Um, even though we lost that grand final, I, I say this all the time, I'd, I played in the losing one at Werribee. I'd much rather the experience of losing a grand final than not having tasted it at all. It was an unbelievable build-up. You know, people coming to training, which never yeah. happens. Um, it's the exciting time. Um, you know, I still think about the losses a, a bit. Probably the one at Werribee, we were the best team all year and lost. But I was nine, I was 20. Um, yep. Thought that was going to happen every year. I, I don't think we're ever going to beat Centrals in 07. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a bit different when you have high expectations. But they're the best team. Probably the best team in the sample in my time over there, I reckon. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, you've mentioned all that other stuff, but I reckon being a first-year player, I slipped under the radar a little bit, and I played with some unbelievably good and experienced players. Like we had Laddams, Uni, Alloway, Motlop, Howard, Spawn, all these guys were genuine guns of the SANFL, and I was just a young kid who sort of rode on their coattails a little bit and cashed in with all the attention they got. So uh, it was an unbelievable year. It was a great move. The best part about it was going to a footy club that was a a great footy club and embraced me and it was like a second family for me. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket and any other sports played in this wide world and we're gonna have a blast doing it so sit back relax and let's do this thing welcome to game on welcome to game on my name's pete uh, once again joined by malcolm and uh, jimmy allen james allen uh, Fantastic career in the SNFL and, uh, you know, over the two clubs, North Adelaide and Norwood. But uh, 
starting to go back to his roots there in Victoria and now coaching. Yeah, and he enjoyed Jimmy's honesty and, you know, the muck around, you know, second record to Robron and anyone aware of that, Robron Farmer and that, that side of things. His, his record at North Adelaide, as we said, with five BNFs and um, three McGarry's is, is staggering. And But, yeah, just really enjoyable chat and certainly got Werribee now to follow in the uh, follow this year. Yeah, absolutely. Around the Grounds. All right, mate. Firstly, uh, welcome no, to... Yeah, we've got breaking news too. Oh, breaking news? Yeah, Pakistan have just dropped another catch ah. at first slip. Life, death, taxes, Pakistan dropping <laughs> sitters at first slip. Yep, move on. It's all happening. Yeah. Uh, mate, happy new year. Uh, first episode for 2024. Um, looking forward to a, a very, very good year ahead on our podcast. Uh, we've uh, done pretty well in twenty twenty, late 2022 and 2023, and I think there's only bigger things to come. But uh, today on Around the Grounds, we're going to talk to basketball, the SAFL, South Adelaide, the soccer, Adelaide United, but we're going to kick off with the AFL as as per usual. But Mark Keane for Adelaide, looking for a big 2024 after a full preseason, should certainly help. Oh, and with the injuries in their background and losing Duday, he's going to get opportunity, no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, Spent... Christmas this year in Australia uh, normally goes home for it, so he's putting some serious time and effort into making his spot in that Adelaide lineup. And he's got a bit to offer, big size, quite quick, um, certainly a bit to learn, body positioning, redefending, not to give away dumb free kicks yes. in terms of just you know just a learning experience. So, but, but yeah, I, I think there's a fair bit to work with with him. So a little yeah. bit of X, X factor there. Yeah, a bit of pace coming out of the back line never goes astray. Absolutely would. Take that any day of the week. Uh, Port Adelaide, Travis Boak could become the first Port Adelaide AFL player to play 350 games. Fantastic achievement. Oh, he's been a stalwart for Port Adelaide. Quite incredible too where, you know, comes over here. Um, well, and Geelong tried to poach him back. Yeah, and look, surprise, yeah, where Selwood fell in the draft and Boak's, yeah, he's ended up outlasting Joel Selwood. Pretty incredible. Um, yeah, he's been a remarkable player and, and just leader, statesman yes. of the club. And, yeah, something I think was held in enormous respect. Obviously went through a lot as a kid as well. Yep. Um, yeah, massive respect. And Well, the last yeah. four or five years, he's almost become like a fine wine. Yeah. He look, has got th- better, but he's too one-paced at yeah, the moment, and I think that's yeah. going to be the determining factor in how many games he plays this year. Look, I thought Father Time showed a bit. Last year, in terms of catching up, I think him and Rory Sloan a little bit similar there. Yep. And we did and talk about that going that they, go. yeah, they could yeah. be the, the pinch hitter as yeah. far as the uh, super sub goes. Um, it's good to have that experience uh, in that role when you sort of need a bit of a Mr. Fix It, uh, and both of those players can do that. They're probably both a little unlucky in terms of the way football's moved on that you don't get the wet, muddy grounds you used to. Now, if they were still around, I've got no doubt the two of them would both get used far more. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, we move on. Sam Mitchell, uh, trip to New York. Didn't exactly go to plan ending up in hospital with a pneumonia. Yeah. Bit of an was, eventful trip. It was. You'd want to make sure you'd paid your insurance for you went to America. Otherwise, uh, he could have been in real trouble. Yes. Uh, I spent a couple of years there. And, um, yes, luckily I was looked after as far as all that uh, stuff goes. But you're right. Uh, you definitely want to be... Um, on the right track when it comes to the medical insurance. But uh, all being well at the moment, um, currently out of hospital and waiting uh, 
basically until he's a little bit better for it before he returns to Australia. Yeah, wish him all the best. Absolutely. Bit of a scare there anyway. Mm. Uh, and to finish us off on the AFL today, Ruff had to depart St Kilda effectively immediately. Could he end up back at Hawthorne? Could it be a case of getting the old band back together? Maybe. I'll tell you one thing about, about him where I've got to have full kudos. You'd see him actually on TV on a Saturday night at a St Kilda game and you'd turn up at a SNFL Junior 16s, 18s game to commentate on the Sunday morning with the game starting at 9.30. And he's he was there. there. Yep. He was one of the first to arrive. Look, you have a dollar for every Junior South Australian game I saw him at last year and got to the point because you saw him so often you'd say hello. Yep. And that. Um, You're so retiring you, and we're going on holiday. Yeah, well, you can, You certainly couldn't question his, his time and commitment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. It would be advantageous to have him at the Crows, but anyway. Yeah, see what happens. Absolutely. All right, mate, we move on to the cricket. Uh, we have recorded a cricket-only episode, so we'll just sort of cruise past this one. But uh, the second test, all kudos go to Pakistan because they had Australian trouble at one stage. Oh, very much so. You know, the drop sitter of Marsh in the second innings, which would have had us at five for 50-odd, um, would have changed the test match. Basically, those and you know, the drop catch of Warner on the first day, those two catches effectively cost Pakistan the game. Now, okay, you don't know what would no, happen. The old ifs, buts and canning nuts. Yeah. Yep. Alex Carey may have, may have come out when we're five from the second innings and made 100, so you don't know. But, geez, they had their opportunities. And then even in the chase, and the Rizwan decision, I think, was pretty unlucky. I, You know, you watched it eight million times, and has it flicked the glove or not? Yeah. I think you can argue that whether it was compelling enough to overturn the original decision, did it hit his glove? I think it probably did, but, geez, I'm not 100% on that. So, yeah, I I, I thought that was a bit unusual. Um, look, obviously, as an Australian, you were happy it was given out. Yes. But I, yep. I just didn't think it was compelling enough, personally. Uh, fair call. Uh, David Warren's baggy green goes missing. Um, classic comment made by Chappelle yeah. Corby there yeah. about uh, good luck with that one, Qantas. Yes. But... Um, it's amazing that a piece of memorabilia like that goes missing just before he's due to retire. Yeah, pretty disappointing. The Qantas bit with the you know the oh the black spots on terms of our mm. filming and all that. Well, hang on, what are we all paying money for? And uh, you know, it's 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 not a good look for Qantas either. Look, yes, he should have had it with him. Yeah, you're leaving something which is as valuable as that is unguarded. I just hope it hurries up and turns up. I was hoping it would have turned up on now. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah. Um, just going back to the second test briefly, uh, the s- comments by the Pakistan coach, what, what were your thoughts on that? Because I was left shaking my head and um, I just couldn't understand it. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah, you just swallow your pride, say say we had our, our opportunities. We've got, You can say we've probably only got ourselves to blame. That's fine, but not we've played the better cricket. No. Your team made the mistakes. Yep, it certainly could have been phrased far better. Whether that's English translation, English tra- yep. yeah, yep. and that side of things. But yeah, it it came across as a poor dummy spit, basically. A little bit like England claiming the moral victory. Yeah, yeah. didn't sit very well with me either. All right, and to finish us off on the cricket. Sorry. Before we finish off on the cricket, Australia in the third test at the moment. Pakistan all out for three hundred and thirteen. Um, we had them on the ropes and didn't take full advantage. 
dumb bowling, dumb, 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 dumb. Do not ever remove bold and LBW from the line of potential dismissals. The bowling was that stupid. What we were trying to do, get a timed out or obstruct in the field. No, absolute insanity. It the, it still leaves for all the good Pat Cummins does. As Kat, you question him and have got to question him and McDonald and the whole tactics because it's, it's bloody insanity. Yep. And that's being polite. I think it's a little bit that double-edged sword. They're getting the results, but they are getting the oh. results against teams that they should be getting results against. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a false economy for me. Uh, Australia currently, and we're recording a touch earlier, and none for 58. Kawaja yep. on 23 off 67 balls and Warner on 59. Sorry, on 31 yep. after 60 balls. Yep. Um, and to finish us off on cricket, um, what did you make of a, a South Australian Premier's comments about the Adelaide Test? Personally, no problem at all about it. Right. Let's, let's also remember that state governments around the country fund all the developments and all that. I think the premiers have to go into bat for their state. Yep. And I'm sorry, our attendance at the test match here at Adelaide on percentage of population is the best in the country. It's better than Melbourne mm-hmm. on percentage of population. Yep. Yep. And even if you're going to doubt on the Melbourne side of things, it's way better than anywhere else. Um, so I think we've got, we have justifiable rights to crack crack the shits about getting West Indies again. Yep. And it's a West Indies second, third side. You know, well, it, it's basically going, Adelaide turn up anyway. doesn't matter what we give them. Now, I think we should have at least got Pakistan. Yes. And I think Perth should have got W West Indies. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I had no problem with it. My, the only reason I put it on the run sheet a little bit was is that obviously the test schedule says that we've got to play Pakistan and West Indies. They're both not flying at the moment, as far as their their results go, um, for me, and you've explained it perfectly, but for me, you know, sort of coming out and saying it when we know that these are the teams we've got to play against, but like you've put it, probably would have been better to play Pakistan here and, yeah. and let the West. I've got no go problem with so, going the back foot, and you know, I think Baba, the chance to watch Baba bat. Okay, yeah, he hasn't. He has. He's had a disappointing too, but you don't know that beforehand. He yes. is one of the best bats in the world. Yep. Yeah, is, is it, that is a selling point suit. And it turns out, you think if if the test match was actually say here this week this weekend, just use that as the example. Yep, you'd be oh shit, Pakistan are all right. I'm going to go along with that. Yep. Or at the moment, West Indies, uh, yeah. maybe maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, we'll leave that one there and see how this uh, uh, third test pans out between Australia and Pakistan, and obviously we'll talk about it in depth in our next episode. AFLW, still a little bit on the radar. Uh, Chelsea Biddle, uh, Taya Charlton, Rochelle Martin, Abby Ballard, Brooke Tannen, and Sarah Goodwin sign on and remain at Adelaide until 2025. Oh, look, I think they're pretty happy. Uh, You do watch in terms of the games here. You're involved at working at Nord and observing afterwards the presentations and look, they speak glowingly of Matty Clark and that, and very highly of Phil Harper and the whole whole organisation. Look, Sarah Goodwin did cross over from Port Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Her ankle did happen to play for Adelaide Uni, so I regularly tat, and let's just say the Goodwin family are very, very, very happy that she is in Adelaide. She's leave, in the tricolours, yep. Le- le- leave it at that. Yep, fair call. Uh, good to see that Adelaide obviously securing a, uh, the bulk of their talent and the way that the 
drafting and movement of players has been over the last couple of years does get a little confusing when it comes to contracts and that's a big chunk of players coming out of contract all in one big hit for for a very successful team but I'm glad they're able to retain them Uh, we move on to Port Adelaide Kirsty Lamb pulls on the Port Adelaide jumper as she lives out a childhood dream yeah, let's also remember that Port Adelaide very, 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 very likely to get Indy Rashid, who I will predict now will be the best female player in the game in the next three to five years. Right. So you've um, heard it first, folks. I've seen her play yeah. enough for Sturt yeah. already. Yeah. Um, and that's as a fifteen, sixteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> she can seriously play. Um, Could she be the Sam Kerr of the AFLW? I think so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So look, uh, yeah, and yes, on our running sheet. Aaron Phillips joined the AFL Operations Department. Yep, I think that is a very good appointment. Yep. What, yep. what do you see her role? I mean, obviously, Joel Selwood's there as well, um, has been put into that, that, those sort of roles. What do we see their role being? Is it more of an ambassador role or is it more of trying to develop the game to make it bigger and better? I think it's probably a bit of both, but it'd be, it would be great to know a bit more. And look... Because I don't, I don't want it to be a figurehead appointment because yeah, they are... Just who they are, yeah. Who they are, exactly I, right. Look, I think they have a lot to offer the game, yeah. but like you, I, I want to know how and where they're going to be best utilised. And let's also remember how much time Erin spent in America in her life, seeing the main, you know, basketball as a major sport over there. So she's got you know, insight and intel, significant intel into a major sport around the world. Yep. So what, what other things... And look, we've spoken about it previously. The thirty sixes are the one site, the one sport which seems to have nailed it in terms of promotion and getting people along, no matter where they are on the table. Yep. So there is something to learn off basketball there. And you'd say Aaron there, and I think Joel Selwood just ticks every box as well. Um, you know, just caring as a person as well, seeing the whole perspective. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I hope they're not just use because of their names, yes. let's have them heavily involved in decision-making for the good of the game. Well, uh, we did talk about Laura Keane, and, and yes. you know she is a very good delegator. That's one good thing I have heard about her. Well, it we can only like, hope so. And it I'd seems ra- like this portfolio has been given to some pretty good players uh, to make it their own. And like you've said, Aaron comes with a lot of intel. Joel Selwood comes with a lot of success and background in Geelong and how they've been very successful too. So, And that's how they need to use Laura Keane. She yep. must delegate. Look, she struggled last year. Let's be – that's even being Yeah, polite. but she was dropped into the role a yeah, little bit. Yeah, she's I mean, still been involved she's been there around. a fair – she's yep. been involved there a fair while. I just thought she really struggled yep. in two key, two key speeches she had as she arrived. She was definitely batting naught out of two. So I just hope she delegates and then listens. Well, yeah, all reports, we'll she's very good yep, at, at we'll delegating see. those responsibilities. So yep. good luck to the AFLW, and obviously we'll talk about it as the season comes upon us. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back to basketball, SNFL South Adelaide and the soccer, and today's uh, past players, past legends, Rick Darling. Warwick Maxwell. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, we continue on with basketball. The 36ers, unfortunately, just seem to be going from bad to worse at the moment. On ground, terrible. Off ground in terms of, as we've made the point, spectator interest and all that, fantastic. So, look, 
I, I think, too, the other point, as an observer from basketball from the outside, go to the odd game and all, and certainly follow the 36s, but I, I do have frustration where you you blink and how often players change clubs yep. and that side of things. Um, they need to get some stability and decide who can play and who well, can't play. And that let's was, try and get a, a three-year plan. That, that was going to be my sort of next point in the, the 36s. Um, you know, obviously they lose a coach or an assistant coach as well, a couple of players. Uh, you know, where to from here? I mean, the end of the season can't come fast enough. Yeah. They seem to be playing okay for three quarters and then they have one absolutely atrocious quarter. Um, it just the mix just doesn't seem right, and I think, like you said, uh, maybe a two or three year plan, and maybe something as bold as what the AFL do, and you have clubs coming out going in the next five years, we want to achieve this, this, and this. Maybe Adelaide need to start setting the bar high and then achieving those. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that one pans out. Yeah, I just think it just seems to be scatterbrain each year with what will happen. Is there's the roster, and away we go. Well, that's not working, so let's try and. Even seeing a kid and, right, we're going to give, offer that local kid three years and yep. hopefully develops into a good player as a starting point. Well, almost card, the Josh, Josh Giddy style where yeah. they did sort of pluck him a little bit out of obscurity and then plays very, very well and now has gone on to bigger and better things. So, Even yeah. someone just showing promise, not yep. the gun kid like that. Yep. I just, yeah, I just love to see. A bit like uh, At the Carl moment, v we don't soccer. know where, yes. Exactly, yep. and I think that's got to be the yeah, let's give local kids a chance. And because I think South Australians, in that regard, if you're playing South Australian kids, we we give you a bit more rope to play with, yes, and uh, uh, you know a bit more support. So yeah, I I think that's the perfect a- analogy. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, hopefully the 36ers can finish off on a high, but uh, yeah, I think there needs to be a bit of a full review from top to bottom or bottom to top, whichever way they want to go. All right, we'll move on to South Adelaide uh, in the SNFL. Their recruits, Arlo Draper, Cullum McCarley, and Jake Arn- Arndell? Arundel. Arundel. Yep, and McCarthy. Um, yeah, look, they've lost far more than they've picked up to, you know, Matt Broadbent, Joseph Haynes, they've lost their experience out of defence. Um, hopefully, Brooksby is playing on, but I think that's still up, up in the air. Up in a bit yeah, of a Bryce Gibbs, obviously, as well. Yeah, it's, it's gone as well. Matty Rose was pretty consistent. Mitch O'Neill's gone to Nord. Um, look, they've also lost, they, you know, they knew they were going to lose Deline and go to the AFL. Yep. I just hope they play their kids because there was a some under-18 kids last year, South Adelaide have got to make them and try and keep them in the system. A lot of 18s kids don't get picked up. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jake Pittman, I'm sorry. A kid at, kid at Nord just missed get, getting drafted, stopped playing, ended up going back to Modbury's one, the Div 3, Div 2 medals. Mate, he should be sentiment at Nord. He should be sentiment at any SNFL club. But yep. It is, and I can't blame the kid not wanting them to put in that time commitment as well, and that's where the SNFL was caught between a, a rock and a hard. What oh, is that balance? Hard sea balance, and the balance. It? And if you lose the AFL side clubs, then we can hopefully start training later and a bit more common sense. Yep, that's a, that's another subject in general as well. But yeah, look, on the surface at the moment, South Adelaide are going to struggle in struggle in twenty four. Yep, but their future looks reasonably bright if they can keep their juniors. So look, they have some. Some real gun kids, and, um, and maybe I just hope they play them. Young Draper, yeah, 
the brother or yes. I think his brother. Uh, either way, in terms of that, um, you know, there was three or four out of that eighteen side last year. I think probably we'll even more than make that the step. should be. But I think they can form the nucleus at South Adelaide. Well, That's that, what I want to see South do. That, Let's not go the cat. This kid will you know, dominate. Rah, rah. Um, I've already done that with Indy Rashid. Yep. Um, it, I just think there's a few there. Well, that's what I was going to say. And that's someone it, who watches a lot of yes, 18s. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Does it look like South Adelaide are sort of resetting a little bit? They've obviously I think so. lost I think a lot of experience. Probably, They're trying to get a nucleus of yeah. good young players to stay together over a period of time for sustained success. I Short-term agree. pain, long-term gain. Fine line between pleasure and pain, yep. especially yep. at South Adelaide. Yeah. All right, mate, we move on to the soccer. Adelaide United, their last two games of 2023 didn't exactly go as planned, but one they won one and lost one, defeating Newcastle 3-1, but losing to victory 2-0. Yeah, the the dam was waiting to burst against uh, Melbourne victory, and unfortunately it did. I was hoping we were going to hang on to get the nil or draw. Yeah, at halftime it yeah. looked okay-ish. Yeah. Then you're right. The yeah, damn would the break, put, and the, the number of shots, you know, on goal and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, a little disappointing. Uh, Wellington this week, you know. So yeah, a Welling- couple of games at Highmarsh. Yeah, Let's see how we go. Wellington at Highmarsh this weekend, and Macarthur coming up as well. Just starting to lose. It's yeah, a top six in in, yes. so, in soccer, though. So, so um, just starting to lose touch with it a little bit. Yeah, just hope. Um, but the next two weeks are probably going to sort that out. Yeah, hopefully. Look, if they can end up sitting six at the end of the minor round and hit the form at that time, who knows? And at the moment, uh, I think the transfer window is just about to open. Yeah. So they're hoping for another striker to replace Goodwin. They didn't quite get the job no. done in the first transfer window. So be very interesting to see how that one plays out. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we've got past player, past legend, Rick Darling. We did record this one a little bit earlier, so it'll be part one of two because it was a long episode for the simple reason that he is one of very few that have won two Sheffield Shields. And been a selector in another. So, yeah, and as we covered on the episode, on uh, Tuesday, January 16, so the night before the Test match, Rick is guest speaker at Adelaide Lutheran Footy Club on you know, South Terrace, West Terrace, on the corner. Real country sort of feel of a club in, in the country. No cost to get in, folks. Can't very often say that at a free, function. Free of charge. Yeah. Everyone is welcome. There'll be a Barbie, cheap bar prices. You know, hear John Harms interview uh, interview Rick and hopefully be involved a bit there as well. Um, come along buy and buy Rick's book and everyone's welcome on the night and love to see you come along. Hopefully I'll get – I'm offering to be Pete's taxi that night, so hopefully get Pete along as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yep. Sounds like a plan, mate. Uh, as you said, good cheap night out and uh, listening to some good guest speakers. But and we've got Rick Warner coming is up. out. Warner is out. Um, when we come back after the break, Rick Darling. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Past players, past legends, past legends. Past legends. 
Tonight, we're pleased to welcome Rick Darling to the show. 98 first cast games, 5,554 runs, average of 35, 14 test matches, 697 runs with a high score of 91, average of 26, gun cover fielder as well. Grew up at Ramco, the, uh, the dashing blonde-haired bombshell. Welcome aboard, Rick. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, guys. <laughs> G'day, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, doing a little bit of research on some of your statistics, and uh, like with most of our guests, we like to find out where you grew up. And I see Wakeries on the list. Yeah, well, it could go back even further than that. Ramco was uh, Ramco's a little sort of settlement, um, four or five k's downstream from from Wakeries. It's a fruit growing settlement, and that's where that's where I spent most of my childhood. And learning how to play cricket. And Rick, there was footy involved as well as a youngster as well, wasn't there? There was a, was there a choice there originally? Uh, not originally. There wasn't wasn't a choice. But as I got older yeah, and sorry, become a, yeah. a, yeah. become a young man, uh, football football was was taking over from cricket as as an enjoyment and as a a, a sport, um, but. In those days, fathers had the final say of what uh, what you did yes. and what you couldn't do. And I remember, I remember a time when uh, Dad was on the phone to to Foss Williams of all people. Now most people would know Foss. Yep. And um, there was a bit of a, a bit of a heated conversation between the two of them. Uh, hence to say that. Uh, I remained a cricketer and, and not a footballer, but but always always football was my first love, and uh, uh, I wish I, I wish I had the opportunity to to take it further. But uh, you know, I was still only a skinny kid uh, at yep. seventeen, and uh, uh, didn't really uh, muscle up, if you like, until you know till a lot later. So I would have been I would have been an easy target for uh, uh, the. Um, uh, the, the the halfbacks and uh, and the big burly blokes of the SANFL and and did Ramco have a junior team that you're involved in or did you have to travel oh. to play some of your junior cricket? Oh no no there wasn't uh, there was no such thing as junior cricket uh, uh, even as I progressed uh, into the to the Wakery ranks there was still still wasn't any opportunity to play junior cricket you just had to bide your time and. Uh, and, and go to practice, go to the men's practices if you like, yep. uh, and uh, try and you know work out with them. And look, if they were short or they thought you were good enough, you you would get a game. So, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, unlike the unlike my city friends and uh, and so on, there was there was nothing nothing at all to um, um, uh, you know to keep you interested if you like in in cricket until you till you started playing with the men of course then you moved down to Salisbury who were your first influences at Salisbury was Clacker Clark there then and just trying to think Trevor Pearson yeah uh, Fang Fang Cause etc right. and Brattles the you know Salisbury was such a strong club and a lot of old really positive older influences as well yeah that's, that's correct yeah yeah, that's correct. Um, look, I, I went to Salisbury. You might remember, and I don't know whether they still have them. The, the um, uh, junior shell shield, yep. they called it. Yep. Uh, where each district club had a junior team, and there were two country teams. Anyhow, I played for this 
country team for a couple of years and a fellow by the name of Ernie Clifton. Yes. He was the yes. um he was the state coach at the time. Um and he he got hold of me and said, Look, come and play for Salisbury. You know, it's gonna be a uh, really, the only stepping stone you can you can take to um, to higher to a higher level. So anyhow, I went to play at Salisbury, spent a season or so playing in the uh, you know the C grade, B grade, and uh, before I started playing A grade, with as you says, um, a, a pretty good uh, contingent oh. of, uh, of of good players. And uh, um, prior to that, prior prior that was. Oh, that was probably 74. 70, 71, and then, yeah, then you played yeah, State Colts, yep. Yeah, yeah, the mid, mid-70s mid when I started first playing A-grade for uh, for Salisbury. And, and look, prior to that, the, um, uh, the you know, the, the, the Salisbury club was started in 65 or 66, I think it was, and, and they were considered really the easy beats yeah. for... Uh, for probably 10 years until they had a bit of a uh, recruitment drive, if you like. Uh, Clacker Clark came into the side, Gary Wright. Um, uh, Wayne Pryor was, was started playing A-grade the first uh, first time I did. Um, fellas like the, uh, the stalwarts of the club, um, uh, Barry Corsby, Brad Brook. Um, Jollies, Harvey Jolly. Harvey Jolly sort of came along a little bit later, so as did yep. Glenn Bishop, but uh, uh, Tapper Pearson, um, and we we had a pretty good bowling attack there. And yeah. I don't know whether you remember uh, Dennis Schuller. Dennis yes. Schuller came yep. down from Queensland, Queensland for one yeah. or two seasons, and him, him, and Wayne Pryor, plus Clacker Clark, plus Tapper Pearson, you know, to to uh, head up the bowling attack was. Uh, was uh, probably the main reason that that really um, kick-started Salisbury into not the easy beats, but the reverse of the yeah. easy beats. And Goldmira, uh, where it was, it was, and I think, I think after then, it was after that time when they started to establish themselves, there was. Uh, I think the 15 seasons we we won nine premierships, you know. So instead of being the easy beats, we were the the benchmark. Oh, and it did. It, it came. It was quite remarkable. We a bit of mucking around, but I think I'll we'll book those seats. See you again next year's finals at Adelaide Oval, and yeah, we're back again. And the inner belief, and I'll still never forget. Okay, it was a little bit after your time in that regard, but the most the best bigger inner belief I've ever seen in a side was the grand final where uh, Nobsy made 200, 200 for, for West Torrens. Yeah. And, you know, I was with Bish on the Saturday night afterwards and 100 overs, it's only four and over, Malcolm. We'll bat them, we'll get them. And out walked that young, <laughs> that young Darren Lehman kid, you know, at 16 and got 80-odd not out for Salisbury to win chasing 400. And I just, I firmly believe no other side would have got within a bull's roar of that. With not yes. having the inner belief, and I've always, always really admired Salisbury in that regard, uh, and that sort of, sort of in that era, you know. And Sleepy was just unbelievable. Well, the Sleepy and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the younger players started to come through, as we mentioned, Harvey Jolly, uh, the Bishop uh, brothers, if you like. Uh, yes, and 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 Sleepy, of course, was uh, you know he was. He was one of the best cricketers I've seen. 
uh, as as for as for being an all rounder. So look, yeah, um, from you know from humble beginnings, if you like, from from sixty five through to probably two thousand uh, and beyond. Uh, you know, Salisbury Salisbury become will become the benchmark. I was going to ask, uh, obviously, being a young fella out in the country, there sort of having to be involved with the men's program, so to speak. It sounds like it held you in pretty good stead when you arrived at Salisbury. Uh, yes, although we in in the country there wasn't anything um, uh, such like uh, like. Like turf wickets or anything like that. It's all it's all hard wickets, and all of a sudden you have to come down and uh, you know play on play on the turf, which is you know it's it's one of those things you had just had to do if you wanted to progress. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was a hard. Well, I I think I found the hardest thing from 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 coming down uh, you know from Wakery to Salisbury every week and. After a year or so, uh, my father and mother sort of realised that I had to had to really live down there to um, uh, to progress, and uh, uh, that was probably the worst thing they could ever do because um, all I wanted to do was was go home and uh, get on the water skis and uh, and play football and uh, do all the things that you shouldn't be allowed to do. But uh, um, yeah, I mean the, the hardest the hardest thing that I found, other than, than than being so young was was homesickness. And now that that probably sounds a bit uh, a bit soft, but in, uh, uh, you know if you had the the idyllic uh, upbringing that I had in the, in the country doing country things, um, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard not to get homesick. I think it's just a different lifestyle, and it, and you're right. Some kids take. Struggle to to yeah. adapt and adjust, and it still happens. And yeah, days. and there's not a problem with that. I, I just think, you know, some kids. Yeah, you're right. The water and out and abouts the big in thing, yeah. and struggle yeah. with the more claustrophobic living of down in the city. Correct. You know that sort correct. of things. Correct, 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 correct. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's one thing I found, uh, particularly when I, you know, they sent me down to college, uh, PAC for a for a short stint. Uh, under the under the guidance, if you like, of Chester Bennett. Now everybody can relate to Chester Bennett with the with the Chapel Boys. Now, yep. um, I I mentioned in my book that uh, nobody ever ever gave me any advice on 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 uh, technique or yeah. what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, and that that re- that really included uh, Chester Bennett and the rest rest of the so-called coaches around the place um, that nobody, apart from being a practice captain or practice captains, uh, nobody has really passed on any, any of their knowledge or, or, or any of their, um, oh, what's the word? Any My expertise, any sort advice, of if yeah. you like. Yeah. I, I found that extraordinary reading your book, Rick, and I was going to bring that up a little bit later and, you know, even now, as we said, there was you and I at that game down at West Torrens, and we, <laughs> ironically, you'd said to Hags, and then I said it to Hags two minutes later about where Drew's grip's gone wrong. And you do, you come back and go, what in the hell? Where's the coaching? Yeah. At the moment, and still yeah. right back. And Ment- back mentorship. Th- but back then, I think too, and look, Ian was fantastic, but 
probably in the one weakness about him was it was very much sink or swim. You were thrown in the deep end, and like you, you and Hooksy did in terms of yeah. the your shield side in seventy five, seventy six, which we're going to get to in a minute. You were very much thrown in, and well, you're the two kids. You get on with it, listen, learn, and that was about. It wasn't really mentorship. It was sort of you watch, see what we do, and get on with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, the, you know, there, you know, there wasn't any sitting down in a room and uh, and going through a a game plan or or anything like this and uh, as as i mentioned there you know there wasn't uh they just what and i just can't believe it that the support they've got these days compared with the support we had yeah we had we had nobody uh, apart from oh yeah but even even i was thinking of team managers you know we we used to travel uh, just with the team only and a team manager. Uh, the team manager was supposed to be the sort of the the semi coach, if you like, for the tour. But uh, and Hooks, Hooksy would have would have uh, testified to this that uh, you know none of us got any help mm. help at all. You, you just had to rely on on your own devices, your own talent. Um and 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 get on with it, you know, and it's just a just a big difference to what uh, what they've got today. And you had your success with the South Australian Colts in seventy four seventy five, which was a real big thing back then. Colts selection generally led to SA selection, yeah, which it was. Yeah. And you made a hundred against Victoria, some runs against the West Indies and WA, and that led to your Shield debut. And sort of you were down the order. And I know it'll amaze there are people out there. Rick's first innings, he was run out. We will get into the run outs at some stage. <laughs> I did hear about that one. Yes. And, but we didn't make a huge number of runs that, that year in terms of that. But you really contributed your timing of getting runs and even a 30 against against WA to get us home. You played a big part in South Australia winning the Shield that year. And as a South Australian fanatic person, we don't get to say those words very often, Rick. Oh, yeah, yep, you just, yep, I, I just that, missed that. you there for a yeah. minute. Just, um, just saying, we uh, don't get to, we don't get, you know, we don't play win many shields in South Australia, and you contributed significantly at at vital times in seventy five, seventy six. Both you and Hooksy, Hooksy, yeah. you know, batted generally five and six, and yes. yeah, a, were a big part of the shield win though. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, uh, under the leadership of, uh, of Ian Chappell, of course, you know it was um, it was a really good initiation for myself and Hooksy. I Hooksy started playing, I think, in uh, in November of that of that season, and I started playing, I think, in about about January. And look, although we we didn't really set the set the world on fire with big scores, you know, we we contributed. Yes, you know, and that's that's one thing that I I sort of carried with me right through my career is that you know I, I didn't make a lot of really big scores, but I was happy happy if I contributed to a win or contributed to a big score. Um, so yeah, yeah, that 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 season was. And everybody pitched in, of course, as as you do when you win a win a shield or a grand final or whatever sport you're playing. Uh, um, every everybody chips in, and uh, uh, it's quite it's quite an uh, harmonious sort of atmosphere. 
And it was, yeah, to win win the shield. Look, so I'm thirteen. I can I can so I'm thirteen then, as you know, Rick, fanatic at shield games. Um, yes, yeah. Remember that. Admittedly, eighty one, eighty two is far is you know bigger memories. But I do remember just the vital contributions. That was more the point there. And then, so seventy six, seventy seven. You made your first hundred against Victoria, mate. Ah, uh, y- y- yes, I'm a. <laughs> Uh, you sort of sort of got me a little bit. I, I I struggle with dates and when things were and whatever these days. But yeah, uh, that was that was in Melbourne, I assume. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I should I should remember all this, but I don't. So That's you might right. have to help me out. So That's right. yeah, yeah, I remember. In fact, I I think I've got a photograph here of uh, Alan Hurst uh, bowling at his best and uh, bowler and 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 myself uh, hooking it. Strangely enough. Uh, for four, so um, good, good memories, and also you know a good, um, a good milestone, if you like, to you know to actually Brent to make a hundred on the on the MCG, and uh, you know back then you used to get a, a quite a decent crowd to the uh, yes. uh, you know to Shield games, you know, and uh, obviously you, you wouldn't fill up the MCG, but at Bay Thirteen was a was a big thing. I even think back here where it was the dollar day on the Sunday. I remember right. when we played Queensland, when both of them played, and I reckon there was about 10,000 on the Sunday, yes. which yes. We, only, we only get 10,000 less now, Rick. Uh, like, uh, 9,999. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, uh, obviously uh, uh, Malcolm and I have talked about this at, at length during our normal episodes in that uh, a lot of the touring teams don't play any lead-up games, but in your debut season, you got to play against the West Indies. What was that feeling like playing against an international team as part of their warm-up? Oh, it, it was, well, it's not only good for their warm-up, it, it, it gave us an extra Absolutely. first-class game to, you know, to play uh, play against a, a, undoubtedly a, a better team uh, for the four days. And, uh, um, you know, plus you could, I'm not saying you could, uh, if you had any weaknesses, you could probably uh, experiment on them. But you, you know, it doesn't. It's not the really stage for that. But uh, look, yeah, I mean, looking back on that, that was, I thought there was probably, well, if I can go back even further, you know, a, a test, a touring team would come to, let's say they'd come to Adelaide, they they would play the South Australian team on that weekend, if you like, for over the four days, then they would travel to the country and uh, they would play an SA country team. That's right. Normally in a big country centre. I mean, my dad used to, he played in them and uh, uh, Renmark, um, Mount Gambier, Rings of Burl, uh, Port Lincoln and all these bigger country towns would host the touring side for one or two days. And then there'll be a test match. So uh, on the following weekend, so and they generally had played at Lilac Hill at WA first, WA, right. WA, and quite often in WA country as well. And that's I've, right. I've got a real beef now with the program. I mean, as we know, it's all twenty twenty based, and we could go on and have another episode on on that side of it where this yeah. where, where cricket's at. But there was no doubt the touring sides were prepared for ball one. Of a test match, where well, nowadays they're not. I actually, you know, Pakistan is still adjusting now, and yes. it's the third test. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I am. Yep, yep. 
That's all right. So we're just dropping in and out a little bit. Um, yeah, so, you know, sides now, you're still adjusting when the series is over, which which is ridiculous. It's just, you know, I'm just so angry where test cricket is at now with, you know, the Indian board taking over and all that, which we could go on and on about that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's a real worry of the concern of the game. Now, Rick, you came through and then, so when World Series started, you suddenly... You actually started as 12th man in that year and then came through. That's made right. A, made it runs against WA, making 100, then 100 against Tasmania in a one-day game to put your name about. So your pick for the for the test match here to open with, with Graham Wood. Uh, Wood right. was 21, you were 20. Yes. And you did very well in that game. You put on 89 for the first wicket, best opening part to the series. You made 65 and then 56. And... I reckon two people forget that test match was a six-day test match, too, which was very unusual. It went through. Oh. Tomo got injured, uh, did his hammy, and yeah. and Clark from WA, and yeah. Ian Mad Dog Callan. That was the only test yeah. match he played. Yeah. And we came through and we won it on that extra day. Six days. Yeah. So, well... Yeah, you got me there. I didn't realise. Oh, well, they are Warwick Maxwell. A... I do help occasionally. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realise that was a six uh, uh, six day. But um, oh, okay. And it was a uh, great and it was a great game. It fluctuated back and forth. Um, you know, Kavaska playing, etc. Uh, yeah. and and Bobby Simpson. You know, Simpson, the ten year gap came back. And did very well in that series too. He did. By the way, made made two hundreds. Yes. So go through that experience, Rick, and and really getting up to win the series in that Test match would have been a huge buzz winning that game. Well, it was because that was uh, just not only my first Test match; it was um, uh, it was my initiation, if you if you like, to to the next level. Yeah. Um, plus, plus the fact it was it was it was an exciting time because we not only won the 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 test uh, in in the next two or three days we had to jet off to the West Indies, Indies which yeah. was which was another um, another great experience for me for a, a country lad who's never been outside uh, of the state. <laughs> Basically, uh, particularly Australia, it was uh, it was quite a buzz, and and getting to the West Indies was was a bit of a chore back in those days. So it was a it was about a four or five day jaunt to uh, to get there. So yeah, um, yeah it, uh, uh, it is, look, it's not so much the cricket that uh, that I remember. It's it's more it's more the um, it's it's more the events that happen around the cricket and the camaraderie. And in fact, I, on the back of my book, it's uh, words to the effect that um, Bo- that Bobby Simpson quoted um, years ago. I think it was in the West Indies. He said that uh, look, basically, it, 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 he said that uh, uh, look, you won't remember your sort of on on field experiment experiences. But what you will remember is the the places you've been in the comma yeah. and the friends you've made. Now, now that's that's sort of stuck in my mind, and uh, and it's 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 dead true. You know, I I have I struggle remembering where and and when I played and how many runs I made or or whatever. But 
you know, it would talk about a you know a night out with the boys and uh, uh, and and you know just being with your mates is something I'll always remember. Well, you do mention there in your book where you know you've twenty turned twenty one on that tour and. Uh... Probably Dutch courage came in during the night. You may have gone to a spot in the West Indies where it probably wasn't really advisable to be and walked in and quickly got back on the bus and then kicked on further and then more Dutch courage came in with more uh, more alcohol consumed, obviously. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. not there. So that was quite an entertaining reading there in, the, in your book uh, too there, Rick, which the book is called Bush to Buckingham Palace. You can certainly get it at any good bookstore. It's it's available at Dylan's next to my book, the Definitive Rule Book. Actually, we're next door to each other there, Rick. So there are some copies there, and I was in Dylan's today. So anyone there, thirty three bucks, call into Dylan's and uh, and that as well, and other good, good bookstores good. around the traps, Rick. I'm glad you gave it yeah. a plug because I was going to ask uh, where can we get it, but yeah. you've got it all sussed out. Yes. Well, uh, if I can, uh, obviously it's uh, yeah at Dylan's as you say, but. Uh, Probably the best the best way of getting it is uh, just uh, Google Ryan Ryan Publishing in yep. Melbourne. Yeah, uh, it's a simple phone call to to Graham Ryan, who's the uh, who's the boss of the company, obviously, and he will send you one out straight away, and it'll be there on your desk in uh, in two days. So I'll work that, that that, out. that's that's yep. the way we are trying to sell it. Um, uh, publish, you know, get his his um, name and number out and uh, and the buyer can sort of take it from there. But, uh, also, but, though, yeah. Rick, Rick is a guest speaker at a uh, function. We will put this on our page as well, Pete, on uh, the test match on the Tuesday yes, before yep. the test match starting on the Wednesday. Tuesday the 16th, 16th of January at Adelaide Lutheran Footy Club on South Terrace, uh, corner of South and West Terrace. Anyone's welcome. There's no charge to get in. Um, it'll be Adelaide Lutheran there. It's a good old-fashioned footy club, almost a bit of a country feel, uh, the Lutheran club there. Barbecue on the night. You buy your barbecue, buy your drinks, and, uh, yeah, Rick will be interviewed and obviously have books for sale and signing the books that night as well. And anyone's obvious, anyone is welcome, and, uh, yeah, they can certainly respond on our page if they're going to attend or on the Footy Almanac site as well, where it's up there on the Footy Almanac site. So, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I've done a few of those. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to the Lutheran Club because uh, there's supposed to be a, a, a fair or fair number of people that have not promised to come along, but uh, have said they're interested. Um, and I've done similar. Uh, promos, as they say, I, it's not a launch. We had a launch you know, 12 yep. months ago, but uh, these promos, if you like, uh, I did uh, uh, one in Melbourne, one in the Barossa and uh, somewhere else. And that is really for the uh, the footy almanac people. Yeah. Um, so there have been quite small crowds, whereas uh, the one at the Lutheran Club, I expect, you know, to oh, be... Hopefully, uh, we'll, hopefully we'll get good numbers there. Don't worry, I'm hammering yeah, the hell out yeah. of it and the response so far has been yeah. reasonably encouraging. So don't worry, we'll, I'll keep going on that one, Rick. So anyway, right. back on uh, on your side of it there. On the West Indies tour, you also had problems with illness a bit as well. So your form, illness and injury fluctuated as a bit. You also kept in a game against the Winwood Islands. Uh, and that, so you're back and forth 
and that, and also probably there. I reckon in your career, it was never really worked out whether you you would have opened or batted in the middle order, and I think that probably affected your career a little bit there as well, Rick. Where it was said nerves played a part you opening, but you know, I think you're a fantastic player of spin. I would have loved to have seen you bat more in the middle order as well, but we'll never know on that one, Rick. Well, that's uh, I I never really really enjoyed the game because. Um, I, well, sorry, I, I didn't really enjoy the game because of of everybody thought I was an opener, um, and con- and continued to think I was an opener, and made me open when I didn't really want to open. Mm. Um, I, I was thrown into it um, uh, years before when, when it was on a trip to to Perth, a Sheffield Shield trip, and Les Favre was was manager Ian Chappell, captain, of course, and they got together and says, well, you know, let, let's see what this guy can do as an opener. And uh, uh, fortunately, I, I went out, and I'm not sure how many I got. I, I couldn't tell you, but I contributed. I contributed to our win. We had a big chase, I think, on the second innings, and yeah. I contributed to that. Um, and... Uh, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you then just ended up opening where, I, as I said, yes. I thought you were a great player of spin bowling and always personally thought you would have you were better suited to batting five or six, but that was my opinion and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. As a, as a budding um, schoolboy, if you like, coming through the ranks, I always batted, you know, five, six, or seven, um, uh, and had, had. If I can go just just back a step, when I first first came down from the river, I was I was classified as a leg spin bowler who yeah, could I who could bat. Do remember that, Rick? Yep. Yeah, yep. Who, who could bat a little bit, uh, and then one game changed that uh, uh, altogether, and I got uh, it was a schoolboys game. I got smacked around when I was bowling, but ended up making 50. And from that day on, I was considered considered a batsman who couldn't bowl. Now, yeah. <laughs> for for so-called coaches and yeah, uh, managers and that to throw me around like that and make that decision on one on one performance was something I just can't get my head around, and it's. Mm. Uh, I would have enjoyed the game a lot more if I, if I was allowed to continue bowling or, or, or particularly being an all-rounder rather than just a batsman. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you, Malcolm. I, I enjoyed batting middle order much more than opening. Um, openings are, is um, fulfilling, you know. If you can, you know, obviously if you get runs, but being an opener, you're only you know, getting runs is uh, is bloody hard to, hard to do. You know, you you try and get a score every two, maybe three, maybe four innings. But when you do make that score, you've got to make it a big score. Um, whereas you know, batting middle order, and I thought I was all right against the the spin. Um, it just it just didn't happen because I was earmarked as a as an opener, and that's where I stood for most of my career. But Rick Darling, part one, fantastic to have Rick on board, and just going through some of his exploits there, coming from uh, Wakery or 
you know, Ramco, Ram, Ramco and um, and obviously making his way to South Australia in the cricket as well. Yeah, and playing at Salisbury, as we said, and we covered that with Rick, with Clacker Clark and Pearson and Fang and the Jollies, and etc. The the seniority really helping the kid as he arrived and going through and being a significant feature in a couple of you know shield shield wins for South Australia. Unfortunately, he didn't have as productive a test career as he would have liked. Um, injuries played certainly played a part there. Yep. You know, we did cover where he very nearly died at Adelaide Oval, batting in batting against uh, Bob Willis in the test match there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. All right, and uh, part two coming up, obviously, next week. So we thank Rick for his time. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Days. Right, for our first happy days of 2024, happy birthday to Ollie Lord, Port Adelaide, arriving at Albany and after being selected number 49 in the 2020 draft. Ollie stands at 195 centimetres tall, an impressive height, even for me. Uh, marking and ability, agility and ability at ground level is going to hold him in good stead at Port Adelaide. I think it's going to be a lot of clubs regretting that he fell to 49. Absolutely. Still adding bulk to his frame. Oh, he's got a lot to offer. Absolutely. Uh, Lord continues his development, uh, obviously playing 12 games in 2023. So starting to show his his wares. And obviously with um, Lysette retiring, he's going to get more of an opportunity. Yeah, I think he'll play mainly forward. I think he'll be forward, forward with the odd spurt on ball. But I think think he's got a fair bit to offer as, you know, that floating, roaming forward. Yep. Probably develop it, you know. I think he's got reasonable aerobic now, but you do another pre-season that helps that. Um, the kid's got a lot to offer. Absolutely. It probably uh, helps Dixon out a little bit as well. It gives them a little bit more flexibility when it comes to him as well. So happy birthday this week to Ollie Lord. All right, we move on to cricket. Australian cricket spin bowler. Hugh Trumbull dismisses England batsman Arthur Jones, John Gunn and Sidney Barnes in successive balls in to complete his second test route by 229 runs in Melbourne. Now, this was back in 1902. Yeah, I missed that one just by a couple of weeks, so apologies there. Um, but it was the first of his two, two hat-tricks. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, no, it's a fair record overall too, just quietly. Hugh Trumbull, so yeah, no. Two test hat-tricks, as uh, we hear Flemo, Damien Fleming always meant, mentioned on uh, Shane Warne dropping the catch here, which cost him his second test hat-trick. Yep. So, yeah, but two test hat-tricks, incredible. I thought we'd chuck that one in there, yep. mate. I know you love uh, when yes. I dig up some cricket history, and yep. especially from a fair way back as well. Uh, we move on to tennis. Uh, obviously, tennis is going to be in the news over the next couple yeah. of weeks, but uh, in 1976, Australian Open men's, all Australian final, Mark Edmondson defeats John Newcomb 6-7, for his first and only Grand Slam title. He sort of arrived then and departed nearly as quick. And, you know, okay, it was obviously the end of John Newcomb's right at the end of his career. But yep. I think we thought after Newcomb had won the first set, oh, probably go the, on old, with it. the old boy here is just going to be too smart. The third set tiebreaker, he lost that and then fell away dramatically in the fourth set. And, but unfortunately, we didn't really hear that much of Mark Edmondson afterwards. So, yeah, interesting. We talk about uh, players that only played one Test match, or yeah. you know, 
uh, one professional game, whatever it might be, and uh, Mark Edmondson on this occasion only wins one Australian Open. So, But you'll take that any day of the week. All right, we move on to basketball. In 2000, American businessman and investor Mark Cuban purchases majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA for $285 million. I haven't checked what it's worth these days, but it's worth a hell of a lot more than $285 million. You can do a shake here. Bewilderment at the figures. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll let him purchase our podcast for that much. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We might put out a a bit of a shout out to yeah. him. Um, I I'm interested in him a little bit, obviously from a business point of view. In yeah, that uh, he actually purchased them and got into the uh, sales room with all the guys and actually started making phone calls to all their listed uh, member past members. So he was able to get down and dirty and offer them. Come along to a game, buy one ticket, get one free, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and really turn that organisation around. So, yeah, you're right. If he's uh, listening, uh, he can certainly chuck in a few dollars uh, yeah. here. would be fantastic. We'll certainly give him a bit more of a shout-out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll chuck in a decibel point. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> and to finish us off on Happy Days today, this one here, I mean, I'm a big New England fan, but uh, uh, a day after, in 2000, uh, a day after accepting the head coaching position at the New York Jets, Bill Belichick resigns and moves to the New England Patriots. Well, 24 hours is a long time in sport, Pete. Come on, mate. Yeah, not a problem with that. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't recall yeah. any professional sport where a, a coach is signed one day and then resign the next. I mean, that's just, that's staggering. You would love to know what happened behind the scenes in that 24 hours. Absolutely. In all I think there is a bit of documentary uh, uh, on KO about that, but I need to go back and watch it again because it's been a while. But um, his record at the New England Patriots, it's, it's going to stand the test of time and uh, it looks like he might be moving on from the New England Patriots, hence the reason why I chucked it in today. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate, let's uh, scoot into the uh, Extra Time Big Finish. This one could have been put up the batting order a little bit, yeah. and maybe we will do that over the next couple of weeks as we're getting to the uh, the uh, business end of the season. But the Adelaide Giants started the season at the top of the table, and they continued with or continued to the Christmas break. Remaining top as well with 18 wins and 10 losses. Brisbane and Perth are breathing down their neck, though. So some critical matches coming up. Yeah, a couple of vital series to come. They did reasonably well against Melbourne Aces, I think it was, last weekend. Yep. Um, So that helped there. Yeah, huge series against Canberra this week in Sydney. So hopefully we can hang on and finish the uh, finishing as minor premiers. Absolutely. Uh, Both of those games against Canberra and Sydney are actually played here in Adelaide. Uh, so if anyone wants to get down and uh, watch uh, a championship team trying to go back-to-back, uh, certainly the next two weeks you definitely want to get down to West Beach if you can. All right, mate, we move on to the NBA. Huge amount of basketball played over the Christmas and New Year's break. It was wall-to-wall games at one stage there. Um, what are your thoughts on playing on Christmas Day and New Year's Day? Oh, look, I mean, it is a different market. Yeah, it is different. Look, Christmas Day, I'll muck around and say, yeah, look, I'd love to watch sport Christmas night and all that. But I do think it's unfair on the players. But it's fascinating in in America where the players seem to they really it. embrace it. Yep. Yeah, so it's a different attitude. It hasn't caught on here. Um, I think the crowds were okay when they did play basketball a couple of years ago. But 
yeah, you've got a debate on, you know, um, how fair it is. And look, there was some thought that, okay, let's play a big bash derby on Christmas Day, but the reality is those squads aren't local squads. Yep. So, yeah, look, it's it's probably a no from me. From look, an Australian I, point of yeah, view. Yeah, look, I can't deny I'd watch it yep. at night. I'm not going to deny that, but... Do we have to have sport 366 days a year? Well, this year we will be having it 366 yeah. because we do have a leap yeah. year. Um, yeah, the AFL certainly think we Yeah, can. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. I think over in America it's very much about the TV and the presence yeah. and the, 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 the corporate dollar. Obviously it's cold in most parts of America, so being locked in and watching sport isn't exactly yeah. the worst thing in the world. Yeah. So whereas in Australia, you know, the, the weather's usually a little bit Kinder and people want to go down to the beach and travel yes. to their country uh, uh, shacks and, and fish and do all those sort of things during the summer. So, yeah, I'm a bit with you on that, that I agree. I love watching it. Maybe not quite for the Australian market, but definitely for the American market. Uh, the Boston Celtics are currently leading uh, the competition by two games to the Bucks and three games to the 76ers in the Eastern Conference. Interesting there, and Minnesota are leading the competition by one game to the Thunder and one and a half games to the Nuggets in the West. So it's going to be an interesting finish to the NBA season, that's for sure. Yeah, Boston, two games still a fair break. You know, you've got that little bit of a leverage, you know. But close enough, as we know. Fine line and bang. Anything can happen. Again. Yep. Uh, another subject, uh, we'll move on. Another subject that could go up the batting order in the next couple of weeks is the tennis. Uh, yeah. The summer of tennis is underway and Adelaide gets its turn from the 8th to the 13th of January at the drive. Yeah, and as you said, so we've got three of the top 20 are confirmed. Hopefully a couple more still to be confirmed yep. yet. And that's subject to change, yeah. of course. certainly the top 20 women. So it's, it's certainly... Um, Promising. Well, it's an ATP to a 250-point event and a WTA 500 event, and that's why you'll see more of the women uh, playing at the drive this year. uh, Or Sorry, more of the top uh, 20 women playing at the drive because they're obviously trying to secure as many points as possible, whereas the men is a 250, so it's a little bit less as far as that goes. But still some uh, names that will come through over the next couple of days, and we'll talk about them next week as well. Nadal makes a pretty sharp return to his um, uh, to the court after eleven months of absence. Oh, it was promising, and of course, we've also had Alex Dimina defeating Djokovic as well. The United you know, Cup, yeah. Yeah, so which is okay. It's the United Cup, so it's not the Australian Open, and we know that Djokovic builds slowly, but at least it gives Dimina a bit of confidence and going, "Hey, I might be a chance." So. Not, that never helps. That never hurts mentally. You know? Absolutely. Uh, not taking any way, anything away from Dimonau. I know that Djokovic is maybe just not 100% at the moment. Um, some injury, not worries, but you know. But I think Dimonau played the match last night as he needs to play Novak Djokovic. Yep. And that was encouraging to see. Maybe a Christmas miracle might happen from my point of view, mate. You never know. Yeah, look, we'd love to see him. Absolutely, we'd love to see him. And obviously we're going to cover the tennis a little bit more as the Australian Open rolls around. All right, mate, huge episode once again. We'll finish off very quickly with the good, the bad, the ugly this week. Look, I'm I'm going to go the good in terms of how competitive Pakistan have been in this three-test series. It's a lot Mm -hmm. more compelling than we expected it to be. Yep. In terms of ugly... I'm going to go Australia's tactics yesterday, the bouncer crap stupidity, ignoramus, 
inc- mind-boggling, numb, numbskull, idiotic tactics. Yep. And that says enough. Fair call. Uh, I'm going to hold mine over to next week. Yep. I think you've pretty much recovered it for oh. both of us, mate, because I'm, I'm right there with you. All right, uh, it's been a huge episode for our first one of 2024. Um, looking forward to many, many more, and um, we're going to be playing, obviously, our summer series over the next couple of weeks. So for the people who are listening, you might get a bit of a burst of episodes from us. We're, we're just trying to build some uh, extra listeners uh, to the podcast. So if you do uh, listen to it, uh, refer it to a friend, uh, like, rate, and subscribe, as we always say, whether it be on Apple or Spotify or any other um, podcasting podcast. Uh, Dynamics. Dynamics, that's yep. exactly right. Love anyone to get jump on board. Absolutely. We'd love to get some sponsors. Absolutely. All right, uh, we'll leave it there, mate, and um, we'll see you next week. And as per usual, mate, we promise to do better. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.